Hi friends, thank you for tuning in to the Concussion Coach Podcast. I'm Bethany Lewis, the Concussion Coach. I'm a neurological occupational therapist and certified life coach, and I specialize in guiding people through their concussion recovery journey. I am passionate about helping people understand their injury, speed up their recovery, and reclaim control over their life post-concussion. The purpose of this podcast is to help increase awareness of concussions and the impact they can have on a person's life, and to bring hope to people who have suffered a concussion and those who love them. I firmly believe that sharing stories and knowledge about concussions will bring important light and understanding to this misunderstood and often invisible injury. The information in this podcast is meant to bring that awareness and hope and is not meant as medical advice. The opinions shared are those of the interviewees and my own. If you are suffering with lingering concussion symptoms, I have created a concussion coaching program specifically for you. I will be your mentor to guide you through your recovery journey, offering help with understanding and managing your symptoms, setting achievable goals, and learning how to manage your own thoughts and nervous system in order to get control over your life again. If this program sounds like something that would help you or someone you love, sign up for a free consultation. In the consultation, you'll get valuable information and resources and gain hope for your future. Sign up for your free consultation at the link in the show notes or at my website, www.theconcussioncoach.com. Hi, friends. I am excited to introduce you to my friend, Megan Brown, today. I met her when I did a ladies coaching retreat and she is fantastic. She and I connected really well and she had a concussion. And so I wanted to see if she'd be willing to share her story and she was willing. So thank you so much, Megan. I'm going to do a little bit of introduction about you and then we'll jump right in. So Megan Brown grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. She's the youngest of three children and learned through observation and encouragement of great mentors in school, at home and on the soccer field and tennis court. After high school, she attended Brigham Young University where she studied psychology. Her love for others led her to serve a mission for her church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. This is where her diligence and faith were fortified. Upon completion of her mission, she finished up her degree in psychology and then continued her educational pursuits in the area of school psychology. During her internship year, she lived in Sandy, Utah. She met her husband on a double blind date. He was the blind date for the other woman involved. They dated, got married, and moved to Farmington, Utah. Megan has three children, boy-girl twins who are nine and a six-year-old boy. She's excited about jumping into homeschooling in the fall. Megan is passionate about her faith, family, gardening, and learning new things every day. She loves people and finds joy in understanding others' stories and backgrounds. So that's a, a good summary of you. Is there anything else that you want us to know about you before we jump into the <laughs> story? Oh, good questions. I really love working with kids and... Uh, with my degree in school psychology, I uh, worked in the schools for quite a few years and really enjoyed um, learning about different elements of the human mind and how to be able to help people. Awesome. Okay. So can you tell us about your injury? You had a concussion. What, what happened? How long ago was it? In um, June of 2022, I was coming down. Uh, we had an activity days camp for our church. And the day camp was at the Boy Scout camp up Mill Creek Canyon in Utah. And we were coming down out of the canyon. I had six little girls in the car with me. And we had um, just had a really fun day exploring and doing different activities at the, at the camp. And as we came out of the canyon, um, my light was green. And I went to go forward with a little bit of hesitation. I felt like I hesitated a little bit. I wasn't quite 
I don't know, wasn't quite sure if I should keep on going, I guess, but I was like, nope, this is the right way. And so I went forward and a woman ran through the red light and smashed head on into me and then made my car turn uh, 90 degrees. And then I hit another vehicle and then somehow continued on. My van ended up uh, probably about a hundred yards from the accident. All of the girls were a-okay. We had our accordion airbags come out and my airbags came out. I just had some burns on my arm and uh, was really shaken up. There was a really kind bystander there. He hadn't, I guess, seen the accident, but saw the aftermath of the accident. And he came running over and helped us all get out of the vehicle. It was totaled at that point. And the woman who had run the red light, her vehicle was also totaled. And so he just held me there for, for a minute as I was shaking and crying, and which was uh, exactly what I needed right then and helped make sure that all the girls were okay. And then ran over to make sure that the other people who were involved in the accident were okay. And then once all of once he had checked on everybody and everything was okay, he left the scene. But there were a couple of other women who who stopped who had actually seen the accident and they gave the report to the police of what had happened, which was really, really nice to just have their comforting words and reassurance of what had happened. But at the time I didn't realize that I had had a concussion. I guess I had um, maybe blacked out just a little bit. I don't even know because I don't remember hitting the second vehicle, but I do remember later on, like yelling to the girls, are you guys okay? And then yelling back to me, we're okay. Are you okay? And we did that back and forth a few times and the girls were all, yeah, they walked away fine. They're so resilient. So after that, well, the next day, my husband, he was like, you're still really shaken up. I was just kind of just out of it. I was really out of it. And so he suggested that I go get a massage. And so I found the only place that was open that was it's called Structura and they do like a kind of deep tissue, connective tissue therapy. And so it's a massage, but really looking at like shoulder and whiplash and stuff. And so at that point they were like, oh, you have some whiplash. And they realized I had some whiplash. And then later on, uh, maybe a week and a half later, my shoulder just started killing me. And that was from the accident as well. And so that I couldn't raise my shoulder past a certain point and later have had just a lot of therapy for my arm, for my shoulder and my elbow as well. So both of those. And then four weeks later, I started to like really realize that a lot of the symptoms that were happening weren't a result of just the shock of this situation. I couldn't remember a lot of different things that were going on just around me, things that I normally didn't have a problem with. I had a really difficult time just doing like kind of day-to-day activities and really feeling my desire to do things had decreased. And it wasn't necessarily, I didn't want to get up in the morning, although that was like part of it, but it was more of like, I just would get so tired by afternoon. Did you go to the hospital right away? Like when you no. had the accident, had you gotten checked No. Out? So I didn't go to the hospital right away because, and it was really interesting because when the medical professionals got to the scene of the accident, they came up to me, the woman who was helping me, who had seen the accident, she was like, I had burns on my arms and she was like, she needs ice. Can you get her ice? And they're like, oh, okay. And then they never brought me ice and they never came and checked me out. They went and checked out the woman who hit me. 
and had like did eye tests on her and had her do some arm movements and took her blood pressure and did all kinds of things. But I just was sitting on the side and they didn't do anything with me or the girls. So I thought that was really interesting. And then they took off. So I don't know. But I thought about going into the doctors. I think the police officer at the time was like, maybe you should go in and just get checked out. But I uh, got home that day and I think it was, it was my twin's birthday the next day party. And um, it was a Friday afternoon evening when we got home and I kind of was like, well, I guess I could go to urgent care, but I don't really feel like there's, I mean, I have the burns on my arms, but other than that, like, it's really not bad. And so then Saturday came and it was like, well, I I think I'm okay. I'll be all right. And just went along with everything that was going on. And then the next week is when I went in and I finally probably like Wednesday or Thursday. And I went in, I think because I had heard insurance, like wouldn't let you continue with massage. And I felt like I needed that. And, um, and so I went into my physician to get a note to say that I could continue with massage at that point. And then it wasn't until probably a month and a half later that I contacted him when I finally realized, okay, something else is going on here and I need to get further evaluation and maybe go to a neurologist. And people kept saying, you should go to a neurologist. You should go to a neurologist. And then my physician was like, actually, you should wait six months before you go to a neurologist. And, uh, and he just was like, you need a rest. Kind of like what they said was their opposite of things to do at cognitive effects. But, um, he was like, just rest and, and take it easy. Don't be on your phone, um, which I can see maybe not being on your phone, but he's like, don't be on your phone. Like don't have lots of bright screens, like dim lights and everything and give it six months. And if after six months, you're still having symptoms, then I'll give you a referral for a neurologist. But to get into a neurologist is really hard. So I want you to wait until the six months time period. So he didn't want you to get checked out about a concussion at all for another six months. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And he, he said, um, when, and it was basically, he just wanted, cause I had asked for a referral to a neurologist. So I, after I had seen him, it was like a month later and I had gone in and talked about the accident, but he, at that point, he didn't ask me questions or anything like that. He just was like, Oh yeah, I'll give you a referral for massage for massage. It sounds like that's a good idea. And then I think I had asked him about my shoulder and he had given me a PT referral as well, a physical therapy referral. So I started seeing the physical therapist for my shoulder and I started going to continue to go to the structure massage place. And then um, when I called again, just his office to see if I could get a referral for a neurologist, they said, oh, you're going to need to have another appointment with him. And they said, we'll just do a phone interview a Zoom meeting with you. So they did a Zoom call. And at that point he said that, yeah, you'll need to wait six months. And if you need it, then come back and I'll give you a referral for a neurologist. So, and, and then he was like, you definitely have had a concussion. <laughs> okay. So he's like, all the symptoms that you're saying sound like a concussion. No doubt you've had a concussion, but let's wait six months. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm glad that we saw each other before that six months was over. Yes, <laughs> me too. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So tell me, let's hear more about that. When we met, you had had that conversation with the doctor, apparently. So you knew that you had a concussion. But I knew I had a concussion. 
hadn't yeah and I knew that my memory was having issues and I knew that I was having problems with vision as well because I couldn't stand bright lights and I couldn't stand really quick movements. And so we used to, as a family, really enjoy playing Mario Kart. And so when I would sit down and play Mario Kart, I could not stand uh, watching the screen. It was just too much input, visual input. And so I knew that was going on, but I just assumed that after six months, I would hopefully be better. So <laughs> That was my thought and hope, but I also knew that I wasn't making progress. Like I wasn't feeling like I was getting better and it had been a number of months since the accident and June, July, August, September, October. So probably about four and a half months by the time I had seen you. And so I went to the retreat, Bethany put on a fabulous retreat. It was awesome for life coaching and I really enjoyed it. I was hesitant to go at first because I think my social had decreased. Like I didn't really want to be around people as much. And uh, I had two really good friends who were planning on going to the life coaching event and weekend. And I, um, at first I was like, Oh, okay. And my husband was, he kept saying, you know, you're not you and we need to get you back. And so if that means that you need to take a few months off, like you go take a few months off. I will take care of the kids. You go to your parents. If you need to go to your parents, you go wherever you need to go. But we can't have, he's, he's suffered with anxiety and depression for a long time. And, and he's like, we can't have two people. It looked like depression is what he was seeing. And um, he's like, we can't have two parents that are <laughs> depressed. Like we need to get, one of us needs to be functioning well. And so at that point, the retreat came up. And I really felt like it was just at the perfect moment because he had kind of said that. And I then had my two friends that were saying, let's go to this. And I was like, nah, no. And then probably, I think it was the day that we were supposed to register by. And I said, all right, like maybe I should do this. So I called him and just made sure that he was okay with me going and, um, and then registered and then regretted registering. <laughs> Before you went, you regretted it, but not after. Yes, yes, not after. No, 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 just after registering. Cause I was like, oh no, like, do I really want to go? And then going, I was excited about going. And uh, I was a little bit nervous about what life coaching was because I hadn't really ever been involved with life coaching and wasn't quite sure what that looked like. I don't know. I guess I, I didn't know if it was going to be hokey or not <laughs> in <fair>. all reality. <laughs> And so, um, when we got there, it was lovely. It was awesome. It was great to, to chat and talk and work through issues and, and problems that are seem like they, to a certain extent, kind of cross the board as far as what different people experience. And, and so it was neat to hear other people's experiences and, and ways that they deal with issues and talk about how we can change our thoughts in regards to that. So it was overall a great, great weekend. And then at the end, Bethany started chatting about concussions and I brought up that I had had a concussion and um, then she asked me some questions about my concussion and some of the symptoms that I had had. And I shared that with her. And then she said that she was planning on working with concussion patients in the future. And and doing life coaching with concussion patients and that she would love 
to practice on me. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, sure. That sounds great. So then we started doing practicing, like started doing life coaching together. And that was a great experience. And then after probably the second session, she brought up the cognitive effects. You brought up the cognitive effects and how you work there and how it's just an awesome resource for people who have had concussions and what the treatment was like. And indicated that I would be a really good candidate for going there. And so to check it out and to maybe do their free consultation. So here we are ish (laughs) plus a few months. (laughs) I remember it was so funny because I wasn't planning on necessarily like talking about concussion stuff while I was doing the retreat and it just happened to come up and happened to find out that you'd had one. So that was, it was really good timing and yeah I feel that you let me practice on you <laughs> so thanks yeah, for that. I appreciate it so much yes and it sounds like your husband was aware that you were dealing with stuff and wanted to support you and that that's really awesome how much did you know about concussions prior to having had one um so being a school psychologist and working in the schools you know we'd come across kids who had had TBIs or traumatic brain injuries and so like I knew about TBIs, but I didn't ever work in and concussions similar, but different, but I had never really worked with those kids closely. Oftentimes they were in more restrictive environments, I guess, and uh, had more intensive care and uh, attention, but schooling wise had, had learned a little, but not like enough to really even know that I had had it at that point, I guess. I think when I started realizing that I had had memory issues is when I started to and and really feel like it wasn't trauma related because mm-hmm. probably up for the first month, month and a half, even two months, it felt like it was trauma related potentially because I still had like, I had issues with driving and I mean, I don't know, I guess I threw the vision stuff into that and through like the depressions, like just the tiredness into all of that. And, uh, and so probably after a couple of months, it was like, no, I don't feel depressed. Like I really care about life and I really enjoy doing things. I just get so tired and I don't want to be tired. Like it seems so overwhelming to do those things, but it's not like I don't find joy in them when I do do them. And so that was the indication for me. Like it felt like it was a big difference, I guess, between those two things. And so because of that, I was like, I feel like something else was going on here. And then I started, I think I started looking up concussion stuff and read about the vision element of it and the lethargy and just some of the other symptoms as far as motivation and memory. And then at that point, it was like, oh, okay, there's more to it here. <laughs> yeah. So what about your experience of concussion surprised you? What was, you know, it sounds oh. like kind of all of it. Like you didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But yeah, was there anything in particular? I think the the element of energy was probably the biggest one for me. I didn't think that, and I understand it now that your brain is just overcompensating for the deficit that's there. And so you're tired because you're working harder. But at the time I didn't, yeah, I didn't make that connection. I would have probably have recognized, and I think I did like, especially the piece of hitting that second vehicle and not remembering that, like that was a big thing for me too. It was like, I don't remember hitting them. I must've hit them because of the way that my car looks, but I don't know for sure. I still don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I remember you saying that it was hard for you to believe that you'd actually had a concussion because you're like, I, it wasn't that bad. 
of a car accident. Like I was fine. Yeah. My the kids were fine. And, and then you were like, the car was totaled, but I was like, well, that's yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. But. Because we all walked away. And so it was like, I don't have any other injuries. Like, it's weird to me that I would have a concussion. That was definitely something for me. And it took me a lot. It took me until going to cognitive effects probably the first three days before I finally was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I felt like I was an imposter. I honestly felt like I had, I felt like an imposter there. I felt like I'm not that bad. And maybe I just am getting old. Maybe it's just my memory is going. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe, maybe I'm having a midlife crisis. Like <laughs> yes. maybe it's something I, else. the thing that I kept coming back to with all of that was and it makes sense now, but at the time it was like, maybe that it all started when the accident happened. <laughs> so very clear, but I think I've had some people in my life that I really value their opinion. And it felt like they, because, probably because of their knowledge of concussions, that it wasn't, they don't have a very, a lot of experience with it. It felt like they didn't necessarily think that it was a big deal if that makes sense. And because I trust them so much, it was hard for me to accept it as well. Like it was hard to say, oh yes, this is a result of that. It's not something else. It's not the trauma of the event. It's not that I am having a breakdown, like a midlife crisis. It's like, (laughs) no, this is real. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense because I think the symptoms can really mimic other things. And it it makes sense that other people who don't know a lot about concussions, this is why I'm doing this podcast (laughs) because people people to know what concussions can look like, what it, what it can be like so that they can recognize, okay, yeah, this is, this is legitimate and, and it's fixable too, which is (laughs) best news. Yes. Yeah. So had you tried anything else for your brain prior to going to, I mean, working with me, doing the coaching and then doing cognitive FX? Um, nope. That was pretty much it. Okay. And what? Oh, that's not true. Sorry. Um, the physical therapist, she was really great that I was working with and she was working on my shoulder primarily, but asked if there were any other symptoms that I had had from the accident. And I had told her about my concussion and Well, and it kind of like slowly snowballed because at the time when I first met with her, I didn't know that I had had one, but I just said that I was having memory issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so then she started doing memory games with me and activities, uh, related to concussions and helping people who are symptomatic in that area. And she'd give me activities to do at home related. So, so yes, so there was a little bit more that was there. And she, to begin with was kind of like, oh, that's so much money to like spend going to a place for a week. I think you could just potentially work with a physical therapist and, you know, do some things, but I think the intenseness of it is what makes it work. So <laughs> yes. yes, that is, that is a huge part of why the treatment of cognitive effects is so effective is because it's just a week of intense work on your brain versus one hour here and there spread throughout the weeks and the months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, and that's what a lot of places do. And they, there are good things that can come from that too. But I think the really huge benefits that come from doing a program like cognitive effects is because it's so intensive. So before we jump into what it's, uh, what your experience there was like, I'd love to hear, how did your injury affect the people closest to you? Hmm, that's a good question. Let's see. I think probably for my husband, it made him fearful. 
fearful that he had lost me or fearful that I was going down a path that or had suffered something that I couldn't come back from. I think for my kids, like, I think there was a piece maybe at least for me, and I don't know if it was necessarily for them, where just maybe potentially I felt like a lack in confidence of my abilities to do things or remember things and to be as effective and for them. And so because of that, it felt like maybe it had eroded a little bit of their confidence in me or my answers, even though it might not have been that way. It felt that way. I remember something that you brought up when we were coaching. We can take this out if you don't want to include it, but I remember you saying that you needed to pull the kids from an activity that they were doing because you felt like you couldn't. Oh yeah. Get that too. From. It was too overwhelming for you. <clears throat> that was, that was challenging for you. I don't know if the kids, I mean, kids are pretty resilient. I don't know if that affected them <laughs> to not go yeah. to that level, but no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think I didn't have the feeling like I could do as much anymore. And so because I didn't have that, I wanted to not have them involved in as much. And so things that they were normally involved in, it was like, I don't want to drive you there. I don't want to drive anywhere. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I mean, and part of that was definitely the accident. Um, like just the driving element of the accident and how that affected me. But a lot of it was just the motivation of being able to like get up and go somewhere and wanting to do something else. I mean, it it definitely impacted gardening. Like I'm a big gardener. And so like wanting to get outside and, and do anything like it was just, it's just harder. It's harder to, it was harder to feel like that was something that I wanted to do anymore. I think friend wise too, I couldn't remember important things that were happening in friends' lives. And that was really, really hard on me. But I also think it impacted my relationship with some of my friends that didn't quite understand because it it was almost like they were telling me sometimes the same thing again. And it would jog my memories to a certain extent when they would tell me again, but important things that where I would normally have been there for them. Like it felt like I couldn't be, or that it felt like it couldn't be because I was, had withdrawn a bit, but it also felt like I couldn't because I didn't remember even that that was going on in their life. So I feel like that definitely impacted socially it impacted my connection with people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's something that I could definitely see having an impact that hasn't been brought up on the podcast before. So that's a really, that's a very interesting point. Thank you for sharing that. And just curious with the, it sounds like there's some maybe PTSD or trauma from the accident. Have you gotten help with that specifically or how are you doing? Or has that kind of resolved? How are you doing? Yeah. So when I was at Cognitive Effects, the therapist that is there, they have a clinical therapist and she was great. I mean, I feel like you only meet with her maybe two times, one time in a group and one time individually. And so it's not like you can go into anything deep or work through a lot, but she gave me a referral for uh, kind of working through the PTSD stuff. And I haven't followed through with that yet. I need to, um, but I haven't yet. So I feel like the craziness of just life has taken hold and I need to make time for it. So yeah, no, that's totally fair. I was just curious if that was something that had been addressed or not, but that's good to know that it was, it was brought up there and directions given. What's yeah. oh. I'm reading back through, cause sometimes it's hard to remember exactly how you felt, but now like I'm reading back through the report that I first did when I met with cognitive effects, when just for the initial consultation and uh, I have on there 
like I had, I guess, definitely some balance issues and dizziness, but like mental fogginess. So, and that was a big thing for me was just being, feeling like you were out of it. Like, I just felt like I was out of like what was going on around me. Like it just detached a little. So, and I have on here irritable and I was definitely, I feel like I was more irritable probably because of all of that, but yeah. I remember too, that you mentioned you were a little bit fearful of the memory loss stuff because you're like, what if I leave the stove on and don't remember it? There was like yeah. safety concerns as well. Yeah. yeah. And I had some, sometimes when I did do things like that, it didn't end up being anything big or cause a problem, but enough to make me step back and, and recognize that I had a problem. <laughs> There's something else going on here. <laughs> so What did you learn about your injury and what was helpful for you from your experience going through the program at Cognitive FX? Okay. I think, especially like the first part, like I, like I said, going in, I didn't know if, if I was just wasting money. I think that was kind of what I originally felt that even if it wasn't my money and insurance was covering it, that maybe I was wasting their money. And, and I think I second guessed myself a lot. So when I got in there and I met with the first person and she brought me in and sat me down and we talked about everything. And she just was like, this is exactly where you need to be. And, um, no, those are all symptoms. And Bethany, you had done that with me too, but, uh, you need it twice. Sometimes it just takes two or three times. So even that time I, I was like, okay, and, and she said, you need to let go of those thoughts because those thoughts are going to hinder you from progressing. And if you feel like you're not supposed to be here, it's going to get in the way of you doing things to the fullest of what you need to do. And so at that point, then it was like, okay, like at least give it a fair shot, like put your effort into it. And so I did, I feel like I did. Um, and probably day two or three, day two was really hard for me. It was just felt really long, really, I was very tired at the end. And then day three, when I got in, I met with somebody else and was kind of just doing, and to kind of told them my thoughts and they said the same thing. And we went back and we looked at my MRI results and talked about, I think I also had this feeling of maybe I'd fake the MRI, just so funny, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just the imposter element like they talk about when you're in grad school how you yeah. feel like sometimes you're an imposter there and that maybe you shouldn't have been shouldn't be there that you somehow had gotten let in when you shouldn't be but anyways so we looked back over my results and she was like the, the only way that you could have had these results is if you didn't even because she's like we're not even looking at the answers to the MRI questions that like they're giving you while you're in the MRI machine we're looking at what your brain activity is during that time. And so at that point that it was like, oh, and so she's like, if you had just closed your eyes, that's the only way that it would have been that you had failed the MRI or not shown what you needed to do. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well then if that's the case, then I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you were finally convinced. <laughs> yes, I was finally convinced. <laughs> so, funny. so what did you, yeah, what did you learn there and how did, was it helpful for you? Oh, yes. So I think the biggest thing I learned and the biggest takeaway that I've had, because there were a lot of things that I learned and having a plan that was put into place for me was helpful um, as far as recovery goes and a long-term kind of intervention, I guess, or activities that I'm supposed to do. But 
I think for me, the biggest thing was just the, what the prepare, the activate and the recovery. So the par and, um, and just remembering that throughout the day. So I've been really good lately at preparing. So I, I do a daily run in the morning where I just do a one minute interval and then I take my deep breaths and, and calm down. And I do another minute and I just do a circuit around an area I have and in my block and it's good. It's, it's, I feel like that is so important. I didn't realize how important that is, but there was a period of time. So right after my experience at cognitive effects, probably the first week, first couple of days, I was like, I don't know if it's really made any difference. I don't know. We'll see. Then nearer to the end of that week and the next week, I was like, wow, I feel better than before. I feel like I am new and improved. Like (laughs) I feel like I can think through things and the words are coming to me that I couldn't remember before. And like, I feel like totally better. And so it was awesome. And I think I kind of slacked off after that point of doing some of the why do I need it next? Why do I need it? Right. And I knew I was supposed to do, I mean, I was trying to do like some of the active activities with the kids, like word games and like remembering certain memorization activities and stuff, but I wasn't, and I would do exercising and I was really good at exercising. I just didn't. And that first like week and a half I did, but kind of then got to, well, maybe I don't need to do the intervals as much. And I can just exercise a longer period of time. And so then that was like, I'd say probably a good, let's see, I, I went in March. So end of March, kind of beginning of April time. And so then during that period, oh, and I came back and I was like, I hadn't before felt like I could go on trips or plan trips. I'm usually the trip planner in my family. And so we hadn't, my husband and I had talked about going on a trip since Christmas and my parents were going to watch our kids but I just didn't have any motivation or desire to plan. And so when I got back, I was like, I can do it. I feel like I can. So I planned a trip to Costa Rica. We went to Costa Rica. I did my activities while we were in Costa Rica somewhat, but then I kind of feel like I did slack off with basically the intervals and the deep breathing and the recovery element of it. And I feel like life for the most part sends you all of the activate part, but really using your senses, different senses at the same time, I kind of stopped a little bit. And then I felt almost a regression Mm. and I felt like probably two weeks of foggy almost like, Oh no. Like, and at the end I was like, Oh, I've got to do my work again. (laughs) So then I started again, doing the intervals and focusing more on that, especially the prepare part of it. And I feel like the prepare part of it is really important for me. The prepare part is really important. That's the the physical exercise, the intervals, specifically the high intensity interval training. So yeah, that's really helpful. That's good to I feel like when I do that in the day, I am cognitively functioning the way that I want to function. So that's great. I'm so glad <laughs> it's so helpful for you. <laughs> yes. Really good. But it was interesting to see that there was such a difference, I guess, between the time when I was and the time that I wasn't. And so it made me aware of what needs to happen and what I need to be doing. So yeah. Yeah. What were some of the recovery part, like the, the rest things that worked best for you? What helps you to de-stim? So I think the deep breathing and closing my eyes. 
So eye palming, deep breathing. And when I deep breathe, I'll like the slow breath out. So in through my nose and then really slow breath out. And so I do that after my interval training or interval, my one minute training um, of high intensity, I'll do that. And then I like to, although I haven't done it tons, is just sit in kind of a quiet, dark spot and deep breathe. Um, I find that that's really helpful, but I haven't done that tons. I think that the intervals after and taking that time to really deep breathe and and look around and be aware and mindfulness. So I try to do a lot of mindfulness during that time while I'm deep breathing. That I think is really helpful. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. So if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to yourself in the early days of your injury? Ooh, if I could go back, I would give myself hope probably. And I would also like grant myself the allowance to feel what I was feeling and to trust me. Cause I think that during that time when it feels like everything is out of whack, you sometimes go, or at least I did or do go to seeking out what other people think or what other people believe. And I think trusting me and my thoughts and, and trusting what I think happened and going with that is what I would have given myself like just to have, just to say like, trust in your instinct, trust in what you believe and do what's best for you. I think we second guess ourselves a lot and that second guessing can get in the way of your recovery and get in the way of you seeking treatment because you might lack that confidence in your own understanding of yourself. And so believing in you. That's beautiful. And how would you give yourself help? What would you have told yourself? Um, I, I think it goes back to kind of like all of this and what I've kind of been saying of get help and to be an advocate for you, like seek out the help that you need. Don't just brush it under. Like you are important. You are, you are important because not only is it for you and you need to love you, but also because by loving you and taking care of yourself, you're able to then take care of other people. And it's hard to recognize that in the moment because you're so, I think as a mom, we're so used to like giving, giving, giving. And so just taking that idea and running with it, taking that idea or the, the understanding that you need to take the time for you and that it's not a waste. Yeah. Right. You're worth that time and money on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that the impact can be monumental in the end if you really get the help that you need. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. What, what advice would you give to those who are loving and supporting people who've had concussions? Oh, um, trust them and believe them. And I think like, I guess I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown lately and uh, she talks about how you need to seek out people who are going to be a good listening ear for you. And so she goes through a number of different things that are examples of not being a good listener and not being a good supporter. And I think some of those things are, I mean, all of those things are awesome to be aware of in your own world, as far as how you can help and love other people. But some of those things include not downplaying what the person is saying because sometimes we feel so much what the other person is feeling and those feelings might not be positive feelings. And so we downplay those feelings that the other person is having in an effort to, because maybe we feel shame about that. 
if that makes sense. And so recognizing that those are true and okay feelings and need to be acknowledged and need to be worked through and trusting that that person understands and knows themselves and supporting them in their search for getting help. Thank you. That comes up a lot. And it's just really interesting that I guess supporter people often have a hard time believing (laughs) or understanding. I guess it's hard for them to understand because usually the person doesn't even really understand, but just trusting, like, I don't, I don't know what exactly you're going through, but I believe that this is really hard. That can be a helpful phrase for people to use. Yeah. And, and I think just asking questions, like asking in a positive way, like what symptoms are you having? Um, what does that look like? What, how does that impact your life? And acknowledging that that can be difficult or hard and not necessarily solving the problem, although figuring out resources might be beneficial, but uh, really just acknowledging that there is actually a change or an issue or in a problem and being a listening ear for that. Yeah. And how are you doing today? Like, what are there things that you're still dealing with? What, what keeps you going? Um, so I think overall I'm like, I'd say 90%. (laughs) I feel like, like I was saying probably a week to week after, um, week, sorry, week, a week to week and a half after, like, I felt like awesome. And I felt like I was better than before. Now I'd say probably there were things that were happening then that I maybe was ignoring that we're still there and still present, but I didn't want to believe that they were there, I guess. And now I feel like I'm probably about 90%. I feel like I don't for the most part, unless like I don't do the things that I need to be doing. I don't really feel like it's a part of my life as much anymore. Like, I feel like I can really work and do things and multitask and remember things. And I don't have that fogginess and I don't get as tired. I feel like I can think clearly, um, think through things really, really well and problem solve. Whereas before it was just sometimes the problem solving task was so large that I would give up partway through and it was just too much. But now I feel like I can think through all of the pieces and I thinking through all of those pieces allows me to accomplish what I'd like to accomplish. So for the most part, I feel like I'm doing really well. I think the things that maybe are still there are definitely driving. Driving is still really hard for me, not to the point where I can't drive. I drive most of the time, but um, it's the area. So when I get to Salt Lake, like that's a trigger for me. And then I think like long distances for whatever reason, like the security of driving 15 minutes feels fine, but anything over that feels like, oh, I could have a problem. There, there could be an issue. And then if it rains or snows, that's a big thing for me. And part of that is the visual input that's there because I feel like my visual is still, still struggles. Although a lot of the activities that I'm doing that require my visual, uh, I'm like passing off. So I'm doing good. (laughs) So that's great. And being able to move on to different other things. I'm supposed to go to the developmental optometrist. Um, I guess they, rather than just looking at your vision, they'll look at the parts of your vision that have been impacted from an accident and make sure that those are doing okay. So um, I'm supposed to go and I haven't gone yet. So I need to do that. I definitely feel like there's some visual elements still going on and some of the PTSD for sure. And then I'd say for the most part, memory wise, I'm probably back to where I was. 
I had had a concussion when I was really young, around six or seven. And I still think that 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 was a really bad concussion. And I think that did impact me throughout my life. And I just didn't realize it. And so I'm hoping as time goes on that maybe I'll continue to see good improvement and maybe even be better than before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's huge. 90% better is really, really good. And it's, it's great. It sounds like, you know, exactly the areas that are still having some deficiencies and know what you can do to help with them. So that's, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're doing so much better. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) To be, yeah. Good to be feeling better. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So how have you maintained hope through this recovery journey? Honestly, I think it's been the wonderful people that I've come across in my path, like as I've journeyed, um, that have helped give me that hope. And I feel like they are just sent from Heavenly Father. Like, I honestly feel like it's people who have maybe had a concussion and have had treatment or people who like you, who it's, uh, you come in contact with, and then you have, have help along the way. And then it's gonna make me cry. (laughs) And then, um, and it it just gives you that little bit of push in the right direction to feel like you can keep on going, but also to give you direction to know what you need to do. And, um, and then like, I think the people at cognitive effects are just so awesome and some of them have been through the program themselves. And so seeing them and seeing the progress that they've made or heard of their progress, I guess not seeing it, but see, hearing of their progress and then hearing from the clinicians of what they've seen different people and the improvements that they've made has been impactful and definitely encouraging and giving of hope. And then I think also like just going through some of the kind of like seeing the fogginess come back and then and then recognizing that I do have some control over that yeah, and feeling that. So, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, yeah, going from, you know, going through it specifically and then seeing the possibilities of recovery and, and then seeing where you're at and knowing that you have the tools that all just sounds really hopeful and, and hope, and I hope that it's hope giving to other people too. Again, this is, why well, I want to be having these conversations and putting it out yeah. for people to know that recovery and improvement is possible. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that I would say in regards to that is that there are things that you can do that help you and seeking out what those are and figuring out how to just make those little changes in your life can facilitate improvement. And time does help. It doesn't heal probably everything, but it does help and working and putting into practice some of those techniques that you learn along the way are are helpful and can make a big difference. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to just acknowledge for a second, all of the work that you have put in because it is, it takes a lot. It is a lot of work, but you did it. And I'm so proud of you because yeah, yeah chatting with you yeah. now versus when we first met, like I can tell you are, you feel so much better. You like, yeah, full of life. It's such a beautiful, yes. so thank yeah. you for taking care of yourself. Thank you. <laughs> and then I think, uh, and it's interesting because I guess going off of that, the, even the physical elements of it, like your brain falls within that. But sometimes we look at the physical and we're like, oh, we know what we need to do for that. Like we know like physical therapy will help with 
that or massage might help with that and doing the exercises that you're supposed to do will help with that. And sometimes we don't make that connection with our brain and how important it is to get treatment or get help for our brain as well. And so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for the brain, but it's a lot of work to help yourself when you've had an accident, get the help physically to go to all of your appointments and to feel like, uh, and to do the exercises and not do the exercises sometimes, but to still keep on going and to keep on trying. And it takes a lot of time, but it's worth it in the end. Yes. Thank you. Same with the brain. (laughs) brain. Take care of that brain. Um, So what, are there any lessons that we haven't already touched on that you kind of learned from this overall experience that that you'd like to share? Oh, yes. And I don't know, we probably touched on it, but advocacy for myself. I think that's one of the things that my accident has taught me. And I feel like it's something that I, a lesson that I personally needed to learn and not that like accidents always do that for you, but I feel like it has helped me develop it in a skill that I didn't necessarily want or have before. And so speaking up for myself, really seeing what I needed and seeking after that. But along with that, I think it can kind of boil over to other areas or aspects of your life in regards to helping your children and helping them learn to advocate for themselves in a positive way and figuring out how to get what you need, I guess, because you do matter. And so really feeling that inside and seeking after that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think also along with this, it's a, it's a, has been a testimony builder for me too, in regards to just faith in general that, and I don't know if this is okay on here. Yeah, no, please do. Sure. <laughs> um, but that God is aware of us and, woo, and, and that even though sometimes it doesn't feel like, feel like that in everyday life, like when you have experiences like this, when you have people who, oh, I guess this is another one, but where you have, when you have people who are put in your life in a way that help and guide you, uh, it's really a, a faith builder. But also, I think the other thing that I've learned is to be a bystander that I would want to be. So like after my accident, having all those people who were willing to be there and stay, stay so they could fill out police reports and people who were there to jump in and make sure that everybody was okay. Like that's the kind of person I want to be. Like I want to be aware of other people to the point where I can be uplifting in their life, that I can be someone who really is aware of what's going on and seeks to help others. That was another lesson. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely do feel like experiences like slightly similar experiences like that in my life where I'm like, I see how other people have served me. I'm like, oh, that is definitely how I want to be from yeah. now. I didn't even yes. know to be like that before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And how is your, I'm just curious about the family aspect of this. How is your family doing now? Like, have they seen a change in you or they, how are they experiencing all of this with you? So how are my family? How have they changed with me? I think they recognize a big, big difference. Like my husband, after uh, I received treatment, he was like, Ooh, I want to go and get treatment too. <laughs> me too. I want to go. <laughs> the depression element has really impacted him and impacted his brain and how his brain functions. 
And so I think once he saw what effects that had on me, he wanted that too. I think even the activities that we do um, or that I have been doing with the activating and the preparing have really um, shown others around me like that it's important for them to do as well. And so I've had just friends who are like, oh, I should do that. I should do a minute and then deep breathing. And, and then my kids, like I've tried to do a lot of the ac activate activities with them. And I'm planning on incorporating that in our homeschool as well. And so I think it's just really awesome to, it develops your skills in regards to attention and focus and really being mindful of what's going on around you. And so all of those things allow me to be a more, whole person, I guess. And so being a whole person, I can be a better mother and a better wife and a better friend and a better daughter. And I just feel like it just overall helps me to be a better person. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that the, the exercise, the cognitive and visual and vestibular activities for the activate portion and then that rest, like all of those, like you said, they're perfect for everybody. And I think they'll be great for homeschooling. So I think that's fantastic. <laughs> Brain health is important. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want people to know about concussions or your experience thus far? Ooh, let's see. Probably just summing up what we've talked about and that's sticking with it, having hope, seeking out what you need. Don't give up. Really work at doing whatever it is that you feel guided to doing and seeking after that help that you feel guided towards. And being mindful of other people who, and being compassionate towards other people who may be suffering or going through issues that maybe they don't quite yet know what's going on with them and helping to be a good listening ear and a good reflective listener so that, that maybe they can recognize how they can seek out um, what they need. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> your experience and this hard fought and gained wisdom. <laughs> you. Oh, thank you have lots of wisdom to share and I appreciate your yeah willingness to bring this discussion out there and, and put it out there for people. So, well, thank you, Bethany, for being amazing and for trying to help other people understand and for really being an advocate for those who have had concussions, but also making others aware. So thank you. I'm so glad you listened in today. I hope you have gained some helpful insights and inspiration regarding dealing with and recovering from concussions. My goal is to create more awareness and education about concussions and the fact that there is so much that can be done to improve life after someone has had one. Help me spread the message by liking, commenting, rating, and subscribing to this podcast and share it with others who would benefit from hearing it. There are more resources available on my website. And again, if you or someone you love would benefit from concussion coaching, sign up for a free consultation using the link in the show notes or at my website, www.theconcussioncoach.com. Thank you. See you next time and take good care of that amazing brain of yours.